The following program may contain language. Discretion is advised. This week's show is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Stop using synthetic detergents in the shower. Get rid of the chemically loaded body washes and use Dr. Squatch all natural soap just like we do. Go to godfathersofpodcasting.com. Click the link and use promo code DSC Squatch 10 for 10% off your order. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It is Friday, February 17th, and we are the Godfathers of Podcasting. In case y'all didn't know, we have been podcasting since before podcasting was even called podcasting. If you're new to the show, thanks for checking us out. Each and every week, we chat about movies, TV, sports, music, comedy, current events, and anything else that's interested us in this past week. We also feature killer interviews with awesome guests each and every week. This show is available on every major podcast provider, including Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and so many more. And as of last week, we are available on the Sunday Nights Main Event Network. Check them out at Sunday Nights Main Event. Com. The video archives of this show are currently available on our website, godfathersofpodcasting.com. My name is Donnie De Silva, and it is my distinct pleasure to introduce the biggest Patrick Mahomes fan in the world. This is Chris Tidwell. I don't know if I would go so far as to say I'm the biggest Patrick Mahomes fan in the world. I'm sure there are many others that are bigger Patrick Mahomes fans than myself. <laughs> Um, will I give credit where credit is due? Absolutely. Ooh. Oh, he absolutely. Does. Uh, that was a game that, um, that in lost. my opinion, yeah, <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. Philadelphia Eagles lost that game. Jalen Hurts proved himself to be, uh, a, a the, the quarterback that I, amongst every other Philadelphia Eagles fan knew he would be is fantastic. Best running um, back in the league unbelievable played lights out i mean it came down to you know one bad mistake a couple of bad little calls and it's a shame it's a shame that the super bowl came down to a call at the end there into a field goal i would have loved um you know for it to go to overtime but it is what it is and congratulations to the kansas city chiefs um and uh, like the the kelsey brothers said to one another when they met each other out on the field Congratulations, fuck off. <laughs> it was a hell of a game, man. Like it was. honestly, do you remember it it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but when I was looking at the historical record books, it's been a minute, but for years and years and years, the joke of it was all this hype, all this pomp and circumstance behind the Super Bowl, and the game itself always sucked. It was a blowout year after year after year after year. There were so many shitty Super Bowl games where the actual yeah. game wasn't yeah. even close yeah. by halftime. It's over. Yeah. And over the last few years, we've been treated to some doozies. And this one was a gem, like this an was, absolute gem. This was, I mean, you had the two best teams, two best yeah. records, yeah, two exact scoring points through the season, two best quarterbacks, two most pro, like, like prolific quarterbacks this year. And, and they took it to a game that came down to a field goal right at the very end. Kansas City doing what they do. Unbelievable. My hat is off to you. And like I said, fuck off. Well done, Kansas City. Um, 
since 2019, Ted, yeah. catalytic converters mm. have been stolen off people's unguarded vehicles 320% more than they were prior to 2019 why 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 are people stealing catalytic converters you know what honestly i figured yeah they're selling them they're making a few bucks i did not realize catalytic converters have three Mm. precious metals in them they have rhodium palladium and platinum yeah rhodium sells for twenty thousand dollars an ounce Mm -hmm. palladium three thousand dollars an ounce and platinum a meager 1200 um so people are running around stealing catalytic converters left right and center and yeah. no one apparently is safe including the oscar meyer wiener mobile which stopped in las vegas as part of a oh. national tour this past week and while stopped mm. someone went to this giant hot dog on wheels crawled underneath and jacked their catalytic converter. You got to have balls, man, because that thing is not discreet. It's not tucked in nicely next to a Prius. Like, well, <laughs> you I have mean, no cover. Also, also, you got to take into consideration that it's a hot dog mobile, so you really don't know what's inside of that catalytic converter to begin with. Might just be lips and assholes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. Um, I was shocked by that story, man. And you know what? I was trying to figure out, and I did some research on this because I don't know this seedy underworld of crime. Dude, this has been going on for years. Oh, I know. But do you you know how long it takes to rip off a catalytic converter? About a minute and a half. What they do is they'll, they'll roll up with one of these creepers. They roll up with a creeper, which is those table, you know, those slide things underneath the car the mechanics use. Table on wheels. And they'll go right to a parking lot. Yeah. And with a with a little zip cutter, that's all they really need. And just zoop, roll underneath the vehicle, zip zip, it's out. Boom, off they go. They these there's professionals that can do upwards to like thirty and forty of these things in a day, going around to different places. It is unbelievable. I mean, you put yourself at a lot of risk because you ever get caught doing one of these things. I am making sure that you are not getting out from underneath that vehicle until I back it up yeah yeah right it's uh it's crazy man i i'm shocked that this is what's going on in the world but this is what's going on in the world um in other news jason derulo oh yeah and joe burrow of nfl fame okay time out have time out time out time out before you even go there because you were just talking we were just talking about the super bowl did you watch did you watch the pre Super Bowl gimmick, the Jason Derulo concert that was on prior to that. Bro, bro, this guy. Are you a big fan? No, but this guy. I I couldn't tell you a fucking song. I couldn't tell you a fucking song. I'm sorry if that offends anybody. No, I'm really not. Listen, this fucking guy had dancing people on his stage. And he also had, you know, these new fucking robot dogs that like can open door, you know what I mean? Like the headless ones that can open fucking doors. Mm-hmm. He had these all over the stage dancing, like choreographic, like dancing along with the people on stage. It was unbelievable. And I was like, wow, 
I mean, I gained a whole new respect. I kind of had a little bit when I you see videos of them, like straight up to like being willing to throw down fucking hands on somebody in any given time. But this with the dancing robot dogs, I was like, wow, good for you, Jason Derulo, Mr. January, February, March, April, May, June, Jason D right there, the whole year wrapped up into one. So all that being said, yeah. Jason Derulo and Joe. Sorry, Burrow. I was giving you time. It looked like you were trying to find something. No, no, oh, I had the story. Bad. All right, you were, you were tap dancing for no reason there, bud. Uh, Jason Derulo and Joe Burrow uh, have decided to purchase a professional women's volleyball team in a new women's professional volleyball league that will uh, go into business in 2024. The team they purchased is in Omaha. Nebraska. Derulo went <laughs> to his 22 million Instagram followers asking for suggestions on what to name the team. And some of the Derulo influence suggestions were the Nebraska Savage Loves, the Omaha Wiggle, the Nebraska Jiggle, the Nebraska AO Girls, the Omaha Mamacitas. Uh, none of those will be chosen. I'm just trying to figure out because i everywhere i look oh, it's corn huskers i could not find what they paid for a professional women's volleyball team it's got to be a hundred bucks right like, you, you get to you get to be an adjacent derulo video probably <laughs> I'm, what I'm guessing like what on earth are they charging for a women's professional volleyball franchise? Dude, there is no fucking way that this isn't being sold like on the costuming. Like, <laughs> let's face facts on what we're talking about. It's it's professional volleyball. You know as well as I do, the only reason you tune in to watch it when you're sitting at home during the summertime is not to watch people jump around in the fucking sand, right? You can watch episodes of reruns of Baywatch for that. You're watching it because of the sheer athleticism, right, Donnie? Uh, exactly. I, I watch it for the articles. But that all being said, <laughs> um, no, listen, in all seriousness, like Canada's... This is uh, Canada's soccer team, women's soccer team has been in the right. news this past week talking about how they can't get any funding. They can't get any support financially. Sure. And the WNBA has made headlines over the last few years talking about how, you know, one NBA player makes more than the entire league. And now like, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be women's professional sports hundred percent. There should be, but there's not, support for these leagues on a widespread basis they're being they're being um supported by corporate dollars and fans need to show up and support these leagues more women need to support the women's leagues women and men dude because like if the WNBA hasn't made a dime after 30 years how's this volleyball league gonna make any money it's you know it's not it's the only way it's gonna make money is if people if, if celebrities buy into it as like, I mean, I, I don't know, are we saying that it's a tax write-off? Like it's a, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's the reason that you see uh, singers that I know of that have started clothing lines. It's a, you know, that you start to make X amount of dollars. You got to buy uh, more Persian rugs on top of Persian rugs and put more paintings on the wall so that the, the tax man doesn't take them. This is this another case of that? You know, 
All right. Listen, Ted, uh, we could talk about all kinds of other stories. You know, there's something about preschool in Florida where they put kids in blackface <laughs> to celebrate Black History Month. We could talk about that, that all day. Right. Um, but need Jesus. what we should do is take a quick commercial break. All right. We have not one, but two big interviews this week. Woo, um, so this next one I'm really excited about. And then the mm. other one, we got a big announcement to share with the audience. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side. Guys, stop making these two hygiene mistakes. Drugstore body wash is actually synthetic detergent. It might as well just say makes balls smelly. And your loofah is a soggy sack of bacteria that can cause skin irritation and acne. I don't want your flakes on me. Upgrade to Dr. Squatch. High quality, natural soap made for men. It's cold processed, naturally exfoliating soap that replaces both your body wash and loofah. All in one genius little bar. Dr. Squatch soap even helps with skin conditions by using healthy ingredients like shea butter, aloe vera, and Alaskan glacier mineral clay. Choose from four levels of grit for every skin type. Stop washing your nuts with harsh chemicals that make you smell like a middle school boy. Smell like a man with 17 long-lasting scents, such as pine tar, fresh falls, and wood barrel bourbon. Get your softest skin ever. Plus free shipping on orders over $50 and a 30-day money-back guarantee. I can't stop touching him. Turn the camera off. Join 300,000 other men who've updated their hygiene routine with Dr. Squatch. Save up to $27 when you bundle. Go to godfathersofpodcasting.com right now. Click the link on the screen, follow it to Dr. Squatch's website, and use our promo code DSCSquatch10 to get 10% off your order. It's time right now for the big hello. And this week's guest is a friend of the show, a brand ambassador, a fashion model, a podcaster. But you know what? That's not why she's here. She's here because she's one of the baddest women on the planet. She's a boxing champion who recently competed at the national championship. And what did she do? Oh yeah. She fucked around and won gold. She's currently ranked in the top five of all women globally in her weight class. Let me say that one more time of all the 54 kilogram female boxers on planet earth. She is top five. She's now training for the world championships in March. And in October of this year, she'll be at the Pan Am games where she will try to secure her spot for the 2024 Olympics in Paris, France. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, she will be at the Olympics in Paris, France, and she will fuck shit up. Ladies and gentlemen, sit on back and eat a ripe avocado. I'll tell you about our guest with a ton of bravado. She's beating everyone from here to Colorado. Slide in her DMs. She'll go incommunicado. She's training super hard. I'm eating raw cookie dough. She's not going to be your friend. Boxing desperado. She's going for the gold. Ain't down with Silverado. Now give it up for the 24 Olympic gold medalist, Scarlett Delgado. Oh my God, what a intro did you do that on the spot yeah off the top of the head that's what? how i understand how some people have that talent <laughs> I'm not do, one you, of them. do you fucking believe that <laughs> you actually believe that he just did that off the top could you not see yeah. his eyeballs moving he was reading this 
Like no. he's literally scanning the screen like it's a tennis match. Kayfabe, asshole. He's literally watching the screen, like trying to watch you throw rights and lefts. I give him a little bit, like, yeah, credibility. Give him no credit. Why are you giving no away mercy. the magic of. No mercy. This is, I mean, Jesus, he woman. Seems to be We're like talking... guys. He seems to be one of those guys that breaks it to kids like Santa Claus isn't real. Wake up. I know. Tid is just such a spoiler, right? Like. <laughs> Let me show you how the magic trick is done, kids. Oh there is no magic. God. There is no <laughs> bunny rabbit. Magic not real. <laughs> what is what is real? What is real is your ability to um I don't know, is it come back from adversity after Istanbul and then go and on this like run and then get gold? Like, did you did you kind of feel like you had something to prove after all of that or what? No, the, the journey didn't go like that. Like I, you know, um, when I went to the Continentals in um, late March, early April of last year, yeah. that was where I felt like I had to kind of prove myself as like, it, it was my first international tournament representing with Team Canada. So I had not had any like status prior to that national team Canada. They didn't really know who I was. Like they knew I was a tough competitor, but for example, like, I didn't have a national championship prior to that. So they never worked with me and they never had any history of me. So right. I think that they looked at the continentals as like, okay, this athlete, me, this is where she's going to get her experience. But I don't think that anybody expected me to come out with gold. And like that, that was my moment. Cause we had a meeting actually with the, um, with one of the coaches that was going and he, they asked us two questions. They were like five minute meetings. The first question was, how many fights do you expect to win at this tournament? Mm. And I kind of was a little surprised about that question because, I mean, I, shouldn't I the answer be all of them? That that's like, like from everybody. Want, yeah, like don't you want national team members, people that are going to represent the country? Don't you want two them fights? To have that belief. I want to win yeah, two yeah, fights. Like, well, I might win one, and then we'll see. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. So I told him. I looked at him. I was like, um, I'm going to win gold. And they said to me, he's like, okay, Scar, look. And he's like, this is your first time on the international stage. He's like, there's going to be a lot of competitors in your division who have been at these types of tournaments many years before you. Like, let's just kind of, you know, think about it. So again, like, where do you, where do you think you're going to place? And I was like, I'm going to win gold. Like, I was very like, why are you trying to convince me that I'm not? The mm -hmm. second question was, where do you plan on ranking in the world's by the end of this year and i said top five and then he said okay again scar and he's like we're talking about like worlds like where you rank in the world like there's tons of countries again like these girls have been here longer than you like sometimes they've been to tournaments that you weren't able to participate at so they're ranking like you know what i mean like let's be realistic and i was like okay top three like i was just like what what what's, what's going on here so right. then we go to Continentals and I knew like this was my chance. Like if I didn't do it, then they were never going to take me seriously. So I got So, so are you, what you're saying is you were the only one that got the script. No, nobody, I, I don't mean, okay. else got the script. I don't know. No, like your plan, right? <laughs> Scarlet script. So. Yeah. I don't know what they said to the other athletes, but these are <laughs> questions that they were asking us. So I don't know how the other athletes answered. I don't know like, 
how that conversation went, but this was my experience. <laughs> so after I won the Continentals, I think that it took everybody by surprise because we went with both the male and the female team. And there was only two of us who got gold at that tournament of the both men and women. And that was myself and my female teammate, Tam, I can't say her last name, Thibault, but she's like a world champion. She, she won the tournament that we went to after that. Um, she's a former Olympian. She's a Commonwealth game champion. Like she's got all these crazy accolades. So you know, I think they expected her to win Continentals because she has such an impressive resume. Right. Um, but it was just the two of us that got gold and everybody else, like some got silver, I, I think. Um, a lot of people got bronze. Actually, no, I don't think that anybody even got silver. I think that majority of the athletes got, some of the athletes got bronze and a lot of them didn't medal. So yeah, they didn't expect the rookie, rookie, rookie of myself to do that. And then after we went right to Worlds, and I had a very successful bout against Australia. It was a really good performance. And then I had a pretty successful bout with Kazakhstan. It was very close. And this girl is very uh, peppered. Like she has a lot of experience. Like she knows how to like win the rounds with the points. She was and, short. Yeah, she was short. She fought short too, right? Yeah. Like, really long. Like, well, I watched that fight recently, right? I, you know what I mean? And you you fight really long. So once you're like one, two, you're in, and then everything's this in close stuff. And it was just like, it had it was her style. right? It, well, it wasn't really frustrating. It was just um, like, I had a very bad morning, which like, I won't really disclose too much, but I had like an issue with some of the team members. And I think that, and like I said, like, I don't, I don't use that as an excuse. It's like, um, you know, whatever water under the bridge at this point, sure. but in the morning, like when we had this kind of like, um, complication, I had to really quickly, like put myself back into like, okay, I'm competing later. Like, let's get back to center. But I don't know if something was going on with my mind body connection where I couldn't really find that center within a short span of time, because even within the fight, I would be thinking like, oh, like my timing's off. Like I'm not getting like my timing. I'm not finding like my range. I'm not finding my groove. It just wasn't flowing like I normally do. So like I said, I'm not blaming anybody. Like it's, it's me that steps in the ring, but I feel like there was just a disruption from the morning that I probably had that not happened. There may, I don't know, may have been better mind body communication. I probably would have made things a lot cleaner, a lot more um, definite. And then I probably could have pulled out that win, but it's okay. Like whatever you live and you learn, it's not a big deal. It's just kind yeah, of, but <laughs> you know what I like, I, I mean, listen, Tid knows this and a lot of our audience knows this. I've, I've coached basketball for more than two decades. And one of the, the cliche things I say to my teams all the time is there's no such thing as a loss. If you learn something from it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's something that's really important that my coach, um, Gaytan, he always, um, instills in me. When we go about like performance and people constantly consume themselves with the idea of winning, there is this unnecessary and irrational expectation that we put on ourselves because the outcomes, especially when it's like a judging sport where like, for example, there's not a finish line to cross, it's being judged and it's different people's perspectives on like how one athlete look compared to the other. It's irrational to just put on yourself like, I have to win, I have to win, I have to win. Cause sometimes you just can't control that and the decisions are finite. So you have to just kind of go out there with the mindset, like 
I'm going to give 100% of my effort in these very moments. And I don't want to leave that ring thinking I could have done more. Do everything you absolutely can. And then usually the results follow. Sure. Um, so listen, officially, congratulations on being the national champion. <laughs> Thank um, you. The, the last time you were on this program, episode 79, everyone go check it out if you haven't already heard it. Um, you were the provincial champion. You know, you were the, <laughs> the, the girl on the come up. And now you're literally the national champion yeah. uh, heading to the worlds. Um, believe me. We are proud of you, and 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 I already, you know, I reached out to you to tell you how fucking proud of you I, I was. I know, I know, that's so nice. Thank you. Um, but here's the thing, okay? When it comes to amateur boxing, and this is just me, so let me throw this out at you. And if I'm off on a tangent, then tell me to shut up. Um, <laughs> when it comes to amateur boxing, the one thing that scares me is I feel like over the years I've seen too many times where it doesn't feel always like the right fighter wins because in amateur boxing, it comes down to judging. It comes down to points. It comes down to this point system that I feel like sometimes even the judges don't understand. Yep. Does it ever scare you that you put in all the work and ultimately it's going to come down to the judges interpretation of your performance? D does that give you the motivation to go out there and just leave no doubt? Like I have to be aggressive. I have to pepper their faces with one twos. I got to, I got to make sure that there's nothing that anyone can look at and go, well, maybe. You know what? Um, as you get higher in the amateurs, particularly like amateurs, right? If some people don't know, like pros and amateurs are very different. Like sure. uh, the styles are very different. And um, most of the highly successful professional fighters come from a very strong amateur background. And amateurs is Olympic route. Like the fighters in the Olympics are considered amateurs. Sure. So just in case people don't know that. As you get higher in the amateur rankings, it's not about necessarily um, like who's coming out more aggressive or I want to win, I want to win, or like I, I need to give it all here. It's it's more, it's very strategic. You have to get almost into like a trance in the moment because with respect to your opponent, when you get to a certain level, you're all really good. You're all training super hard. You're all giving 100%. You, you would assume, right? Sure. You're all giving 100% and you're showing up that day at 100%. So sometimes it comes down to a style. Like we were just saying about Kazakhstan being so short and stuffy. I think that was like her game is to stuff her opponents, try to like, you know what I mean? Make it a little messy so that she can try to get some punches when you guys separate. And right. she'll try to get like a point here, a point there on the break. And then some people, like I, I lost to this girl from Great Britain um, a few months back because she's southpaw and she's so long. Like she was like a whole head taller than me. Like mm -hmm. she's just so long. And she didn't beat me up. She wasn't more aggressive than me. It, she didn't really even display like crazy skill. She just, because she's so long, it was really hard for me to get in on her. And she was just getting points by just like touch, touch, little touch. jabs. Yeah, little things. So like, and I could like, you know, go in there and just try to be super aggressive and just like rush in on her. But then with her strategy, if she wants me to do that, it's not going to work in my favor anyways. Right. So it definitely does like going back to your question, it definitely does sit sometimes at the back of my head, like, and I'm sure most fighters, because in the amateurs, you're right. Like sometimes it, a lot of times the judging is very, very biased. 
especially local shows, you know, if a girl comes and, and I'll be the first to admit, some girl comes out of country or some girl comes out of region, she fights me in my town where the judges know my face. They've been seeing me since I was 17 years old. I have a good relationship with them. Even when they try to take the bias out, it's hard to not see the fight from a biased perspective because you already know the fighter and you like them. So you're going to mm -hmm. always in your mind naturally highlight all these great things that your, your buddy's doing out there. And then same thing, if I go to her town, it's going to be the same. So mind you, the, the, the training that goes into when you get to a certain level that goes into fights, usually at that point, because when you're fighting other girls that are at high levels that have been to international tournaments, usually you have a profile of the fighters. You can go back to like, okay, here's their performance from this tournament. And you kind of build a game plan to your fighter. So if you know that they're long and southpaw, you build a game plan tailored to it. So even if there's like some bias here, some bias there, you go in there thinking like, okay, a hundred percent, I got to give, like, I just have to do everything that I have to follow the game plan. And if I follow the game plan, then I can make this one-sided and I can beat her at her own game or I can outscore or whatever the case is. But my dad always said to me, when I first started the sport, he said to me, look, Scar, like there's going to be fights that you're going to kick those girls ass and they're going to give it to her. And he's like, there's going to be fights where you're not supposed to win, but they're going to give it to you. And he's like, because this is the game of boxing and you just have to be prepared for those ups and downs. Mm. I will tell you this. Um, Tid and I have both been judges before. Mm -hmm. uh, not I judge people all the time. Yeah, that too. But I'm not referring to boxing. Uh, we oh. were both judges <laughs> at naked oil wrestling at a strip club. Yeah, and I, I will be honest with what? you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, okay 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 wait wait hold and on i will second. be honest hold with you i was biased towards the, i was biased towards the competitors that smiled at me i'm not gonna lie so you know maybe be nice to a judge i'm just like, saying i was a little I was, wiggle before they go in there don't I underestimate was, the human one. condition don't underestimate the human condition is all i'm saying okay i may or may not have been but high you know on what? i will say that because of how much this is prevalent in the sport of boxing they've actually because i think that the uh, international olympic committee the ioc they gave warnings right to uh aba about like the controversial judging and because there was a lot of like you know, fishy stuff going on at the Olympics. And I think they gave them a warning in 2012 and then they gave them a second warning in 2016. And I think that, um, so this upcoming 2024, this will be the last Olympics that they have boxing, wrestling, and I think another couple sports because they weren't listening all those right. years to the corruption. So they're going to take it out for 2028. I don't think it's going to be out forever because money talks. Boxing is very lucrative. So I think eventually it'll be back. They'll probably work something out, but that's where it stands right now. And yeah. there is no, um, Boxing Canada is not sending a team anymore to world championships this year. Wow. So yes. you gotta go on so, your own? No. Oh. No, I no, cause like I, I wouldn't go against my federation cause then that would blacklist me going to Pan Am qualifiers or something like that. It's not worth oh, it. Oh, wait. So I thought you were going to the Worlds. You're not going to the Worlds? No, we just got the notice two days ago that oh. made a decision and they decided, yeah, so USA is not going. They're trying to boycott the World Championships. Right. I heard USA so and Great Britain have both decided they're not going. USA, Great Britain, Ireland, Germany, I think maybe one or two other countries. But there's still 77 countries registered to go to World Championships. And it's all about this uh, political climate with Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know... I'm not going to speak too much about that, but 
what I do have to say is that this does not affect the athletes. Like it should not come into no. sport. This is very unfair. The prize money is 200,000 US dollars for gold, 100,000 US dollars for silver, 50,000 US dollars for bronze. And I think that like by not letting athletes compete for life-changing money is a really like disheartening and it's very unfair and cruel because we don't have anything to do with this. You know what I mean? Just let the fighters, yeah. just let the sport be a sport. That's okay. So this changes everything. Cause I thought you were, I thought when you and I talked just a few days ago, right. Yeah. And as far as we knew, then you were getting ready for the worlds and then Pan yep. Am in October. So both of those are off right now. No, Pan Am is good. Oh, Pan Am is still on. World Championships is under um, IBA, I believe. IBA, right? Yeah, and um, that's separate from the IOC, the Olympic Committee. So the okay. Olympic Committee, like they, they're organizing like Olympic qualifiers and the Olympics and all that stuff, which is separate. So now so you got a table. Oh yeah. You oh, yeah. still got to, if you pick up gold or silver at Pan Am, you're going to the Olympics. Yep. Yep. They okay. take the number one and the number two. Is that the only route? Is there any other way? Um, well, it's the only route for us. Like my team is like, this is it. Gotcha. I, I believe that there are two other tournaments throughout the year that if it doesn't work out, then right. the athletes other qualifiers. Yeah, I yeah. believe whatever. You're winning gold. I don't give a shit. I've already uh, I like yeah, I put that I've had the head. premonition. <laughs> I've seen it. I already know you're gonna wear the blue outfit, you know, with the skirt. <laughs> I've already seen it. Like I I know how it's going down. Okay. Like so we already have a vision board. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yeah. manifested. That's it's manifested. He's, he's manifesting yes. it over a steep T. Yeah. I had some peyote. Somewhere. I went to the mountains. I prayed <laughs> under the Joshua tree. Well, I manifested top five in the world. I manifested there you go, man. that. <laughs> right? um, I want to ask you something that you mentioned earlier uh, when you're talking about having a game plan going into a fight. Okay. Yeah. Cause this is something I find interesting, especially when we talk about amateur level sport, not just boxing but sport in general when you go in with a game plan how much of that game plan is scar's got to do what scar does best or i have to be prepared for what this particular opponent does how much scouting are you doing on each individual opponent how much individual preparation is there for that opponent and how much of it is i just got to do what i do best um it depends so okay. it depends up like the level and it depends um what's at stake so for example like uh going into a club show i say this delicately because we always train like my team and i we always treat every fight like a world championship title we don't sure. take any prisoners we don't you know go easy on anybody it's it's always like you know we're gonna we're gonna kill Over this but it's like fucking so like, leg, Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, uh, when I was at nationals, the girl that I fought in the finals, um, he doesn't have uh, the same amount of international experience that I have. She, I, I don't, I don't want to quote this. I'm thinking she has somewhere between the twenty, like maybe twenty amateur bouts, maybe thirty, like somewhere in that region. I could be wrong. Um, she has experience doing MMA. So, I mean, she's not a stranger to combat competition, but there's limited resources on her. So even just seeing like what her stance is, I knew she was a Southpaw. I knew she was smaller than me, like a lot smaller than me. Um, I saw a couple clips of like some stuff that she did in sparring. So I took that and it's like, okay, 
She likes to come in. She's a little bit of a swinger. She doesn't really straight punch. Uh, she doesn't switch stances. She's always in her orthodox stance. Um, she's about yay high. So you know what? Um, these are the, the three things that we're going to work on in the ring and then kind of like see how it goes round by round. So it's a little sure. bit of like, here's a strategy. And, you know, depending how it goes, you pick up the pace or I'll give you some cues and kind of like just go with your flow. So, okay, we'll do that. Going into higher competition, it's a different, it's a different thing though. So it's like when I was at Continentals and I was fighting um, Argentina in the finals, there was not a lot of video content on her. But mm. what I found was that she stays orthodox. She loves her hooks, like her lead hook. And, um, you know, she'll try to like set it up with a jab. So kind of just like, okay, you know, I'm going to bait her a little bit. I'm going to test her. I'm going to see what her strength is like. I'm going to see how she likes movement. I'm going to see like, you know, how does she, how does she react to bundles of my, cause my style, I like combinations. I like to angle off of combinations. So how does she react to it? Am I going to have to adjust? We'll see how it goes, but we're going to stick to these three main things first. Yeah. Like that. that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And that, yeah. that's a great answer. Um, Tid, you look like you want to jump in or you, or can I go in again? No, lean in, buddy. <laughs> I, I can I could do this all night long talking like you know, the, the science of boxing and stuff. I know like, we're both boxing heads, so I, I find it fascinating. Yeah. Um right. when I first met you, buddy, um I'm talking to her, not you, asshole. Oh, um sorry. when I first met you, wow, but that is a really harsh thing to say to Charlotte. <laughs> Scarlet? <Are you> Scarlet? <laughs> well, that's where we're going with that. Okay. When, uh, when I first met you, um, it feels like a lifetime ago now, you were training in pro wrestling. Yeah. And you were kind of giving that, you know, a taste. Yeah. And the last time you were on this show, you talked about how everyone is always in your ear about MMA, MMA, MMA. And now here you are on the precipice of the Olympic Games. Yeah. Right. And especially when we think about the fact that as it currently stands, this is the last kick at the can when it comes to the yeah. Olympics for boxing post 2024 Olympic games. Yeah. Have you given thought as to what Scarlett Delgado does next in her fight career? I have, uh, I spoke about it a lot with my team because we really focus on, um, we really focus on remembering that I am an athlete, but that doesn't define who I am as a person. Because totally. I think that the sad thing with a lot of these Olympic athletes is because naturally we dedicate our lives to our, to our sport. And sometimes, you know, once the Olympics are done, a lot of athletes fall into a deep depression because that was their identity. And then when you reach a certain point at the Olympics, it's like, what's next? Like yeah. that was it. Yeah. So I, I did speak about this a lot and we're kind of like taking it step by step where it's like, okay, we're going to revisit that topic post Olympics. However, if the possibility for something like WWE, if that appeals to you going to the Olympics, winning a medal, that's probably going to punch you a golden ticket to that company. Regardless, if that's something you want to explore. If you want to do, if speaking in third person, like how my coaches are talking to me, um, if you want to go and potentially try pro women's boxing, you would have already a great resume to push you through even international a lot quicker than having to constantly like build up your resume in the local region. Sure. It's like maybe, but that's not something that I really was kind of looking at. Um, 
and yeah, there's a lot of avenues I believe that can be had. I, I love uh, working with aspiring athletes. I love sharing my story because I know that a lot of people, even if they're not boxing, they look at the adversities, they look at like the trivials and like constantly just even when you fall down so many times and you just keep showing up and you just keep showing up and you keep putting the hard work, even if it takes you 11 years as it took me, like as long as you keep showing up, like you get there, you get there and it's always worth it. Like there's never a day that goes by where I think like, Oh, I wish I didn't have to go through what I went through. It's like, no, I'm so grateful. Like all those tears and pain and everything. So it's, it's something we talked about, but I'm kind of seeing, I'm kind of waiting to see what it feels like after like, cause I really want a family to be honest. I really want to dedicate a life after to having children and being a good mom and, you know, having a loving husband at some point. Like, I really want that. Like that's something I really want in my life. Yeah. Is it, is it tough though? Like, and, and I mean this with all the like craziest and most due respect, but is it tough in the dating world when you got to explain to people how good <laughs> yeah. your jab is? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's got like that's that's intimidating. Bro, right? It I've doesn't seen, work so much. It doesn't I've, work so much for me because I'm like I'm six four, damn near like two hundred and eighty five pounds. You know what I mean? Dress. You're you're a hundred and you're hundred. You fight at one hundred and eighteen pounds, but yeah. still, like it's a good big long jab, and you're like, ah, whatever. Do they ever like you know? No, just just show me, show me how good your fucking jab is, bro. Like, I've, no, been, no, I've been I've been sixteen inches. Be end of that, I've been right? sixteen inches away from those fast hands. I know what kind of damage they can do. This is what I'm saying. Is that is that tough? Is that tough? Like, um, it, it is really tough in the dating scene. It's it's really tough. It's always been tough because my dad is very scary looking. But <laughs> <laughs> it's always been tough, and of course, like in the gym scene when I used to train with my dad, like I'm forbidden fruit. Right. To the others, right? It's a male dominant sport, so it's mostly 100%. guys. And when yeah. they see me, you know, they look at me as like a pretty girl that's like there doing box. And I'm sure a lot of guys think like, oh, she gets it. You know, she gets it. She likes boxing. Like, oh, but it's the coach's daughter. Ooh, it's the coach's daughter. That's like such a huge milestone. Mm -hmm. And like, I was very aware of that. My dad used to always talk to me about it. He used to give me that trust, like, you know, be be honest with me, and you know, I'll I'll tell you what's up because these are still boys and they're still my right. fighters. So, you know, right. so it, like right from the beginning, it's always been really challenging, but, but I think that with a lot of maturity and growing in this sport and creating a name for myself, just the amount of respect that I have for myself now as well, like, you know, kind of seeing what I'm capable of testing myself, seeing like how, like how much hard work I dedicate to the things that I do in my life. I know what I bring to the table and it's not that I block people out but definitely if somebody is coming in and they're not serving like a positive healthy influence in my life it's definitely something that I just kind of shut out but that doesn't mean like oh I'm opposed to dating while I'm training it's just like they have to be willing to accept the kind of lifestyle I have because right now it's crunch time I'm in the gym six days a week I'm constantly recovering I'm you know traveling internationally sometimes I'm gone for a month you know what I mean? And, I, and Listen, meals and meals are shit. So it's not like yeah. you're going. It's not like you're going to a fucking restaurant to you're like not going enjoy, to McDonald's to enjoy. Yes. Oh my god! Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. No, you're absolutely right. That is something that gets so overlooked all the time. My meals <sighs> are like, okay, you want me? Okay, my, if my mom watches this, she's gonna start laughing right now. These are my meals when I'm getting ready for competition. 
asparagus, Brussels sprouts, chicken, sometimes sweet potatoes and chicken. And that is the sexiest Un- unseasoned, ever. unflavored chicken. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh, oh. I like oh, salt. salt. Okay. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Scarlet, I have this whole like last bit of conversation just hit me. I have the brilliant idea. This is what we're gonna do. Okay. okay. <laughs> Especially since. You know, the unfortunate circumstances happen now where the worlds are not happening. You've got a little bit of downtime. Like you're not as cray cray right now as you would be gearing up, right? You're a little less cray. I got three fights already lined up. Yeah, whatever. But a little (laughs) less, a little less. So here's what's going to happen. Your uncle Tidwell and I, we are going to do the Scarlet Delgado dating game. We will find you some eligible bachelors <laughs> and we will play the Scarlet Delgado dating <laughs> game. How does this work? We will find some eligible bachelors. We'll bring them on. You won't know who they are. You get to ask them questions. And then the one you like, you take them on a date. We'll, we'll, oh we'll keep them on audio. Yeah, we'll keep them on audio only so that everybody can hear, but she can't see them. I love uh, this. Uh, <laughs> And you know what? I tell you what, courtesy of our sponsor, Dr. Squatch, we'll even let you pick which soap they use for, for their date with you. So you get to choose what they're going to smell like. Okay. Oh my God. They, they could be fresh falls or they could be like, uh, wood you don't want to smell like Yoda. What's the other one? What's the green one? Uh, that's, that's the star Wars line. That's wisdom wash. No, they call it that, but you smell like Yoda and that dude came from a swamp. So this like, is, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, this one is, no, it's, it's earthy. Hold on. It's uh shea butter, Lotus leaf powder, uh, sea salt and kaolin clay. Yep. There's salt. All green. It's your oh, green. What was the first one? What was the first one? Uh, we got fresh falls. Don't go chasing waterfalls. We're going to go with the green. We got wood barrel bourbon, which is no, beautiful. No alcohol. There's Listen, there's tons more. We'll get, you, we'll get you the whole lineup. You can choose what your date's going to smell like. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Thank the you, The Scarlet Delgado dating game. I'm That's so excited. excited. You have to get my dad in there with you, though. No, your dad's forbidden. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Delgado. Like, you're a no. bad you're a bad motherfucker but you no. cannot be part of this segment you will ruin the segment trust <laughs> uncle tidwell and i laws of physics puts his fist through the camera yeah no just choking them <laughs> uncle tid and i will take care of scar sure. and we will make sure gentlemen if you want to participate in the scarlet delgado dating game godfathers got- of podcasting at gmail.com Y'all got game. Y'all got, what do the kids call it? Y'all got Riz. Riz. Bring Y'all the Riz. Got Riz. Y'all got Riz. Bring I, the. Old. I never heard that one. <laughs> Bring the Riz, boys. Tremendous. Thank oh you so God. much. Thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow. No, thank you for having me. This was fun. <laughs> you know, I love you. You're the best. And you know what? When Tid talks about how you've got like such great length, I was acutely aware of that. Like one of the last times I saw you, cause you gave me this big bear hug and I'm three times your size and her arms, like she was like grabbing her own elbows when she hugged me. It was stupid. I'm like, okay. Orangutan with these long ass arms. I have to thank my dad for those. <laughs> yeah, man. Like seriously. Just gotta, if you just got to control it, don't be so aggressive. 
If boxing didn't work out, I would have turned you into a basketball player, man. Oh my God. I I wish because I don't have the height. Like I have the arm. Irrelevant. My height went into my arm span. (laughs) It's all about length now. No one cares about it's all about length. That's the new hotness in basketball. Okay. Scarlett Delgado, you're the best. We'll talk soon, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks again. There she goes, everybody. Uh, Listen, we are going to get to our uh, featured guest, but um, what we're going to do real quick is we're going to pay some bills and uh, get to these uh, commercial sponsors. We'll be back right after this. TotalSportCards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com. Check out all the shows on SundayNightsMainEvent.com, including BAM Weekly, where Boris and Matt take a weekly tour of the sports entertainment wrestling world. They chat about everything in the world of sports along with a catch-all review of everyone in the world of wrestling, including ROH Impact, NJPW, MLW, NWA, Stardom, and more. Or, looking back on it, it's a show that reviews albums from the 90s to the early 2000s, still even now, with a focus on punk, metal, emo, and alternative. And the flagship show, Sunday Night's Main Event, Mike McGuire hosts the main show, and for more than 20 years, wrestling radio has dominated the Sunday Night Airwaves in Canada. Sunday Night's Main Event continues the long-standing tradition, with its origins rooted deep in wrestling radio, pioneer program, The Law, Live Audio Wrestling, SNME, is a weekly hour radio program that broadcasts on TSN Radio, Canada's original leader in sports coverage. The show provides comprehensive coverage of the latest news, the Dave Meltzer segment, interviews, and opinions in the world of professional wrestling. Sunday Night's Main Event is the Wrestling Insider's number one source for kayfabe free wrestling radio. Check out all those great shows and so many, many more. Check it all out on SundayNightsMainEvent.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and now it is time for Big Hello and... This week's guest is a stand-up comedian who's headlined all over the United States. He's a successful podcaster, but he first gained fame and notoriety as a member of the Howard Stern Show. He went from being a listener who called in to tell jokes to actually being hired to work on Howard News. His official role eventually became keep tabs on Howard's whack pack and be able to report on whatever was going on in their bizarre lives. For 15 years, he was regularly running into the Stern Show studios with great bits and segments, helping to make the show a little bit better. One of my favorite reoccurring bits he did was his pitch perfect impression of Patricia, AKA Tan Mom. These days he runs a popular podcast network and seems to be on air all the time. I really don't know how he has any downtime or any opportunity whatsoever to hang it with us. He's always on there telling great stories, making audiences piss themselves laughing. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope he doesn't find this intro bizarre. I tried to bring the fire, not be subpar. I've been a fan a long time, admired from afar. He's a funny-ass dude, a total superstar. Grab a beer, light a cigar, give it up for comedian Shuli Agar. That was fire, son. That was fire. <laughs> That's what the kids say. Wow, you you were spitting some some bars. Bars, yo, yeah. off the top of the dome. Listen, I got to say right off the hop, you got the, the virtual background rocking right there. Is that Sheiky? That's that's Sheiky. That's the Iron Sheik. That's oh the, that's the, that's a famous picture. That's the night I broke the news to him that I'm a Jew. Look How high was he? How fucking high was he in that picture? In that picture, not that high. I, I have other pictures where we used to go on the road because he used to he used to be a um, 
uh, a bonus, a surprise act on the Killers of Comedy Tour right. back in the day, right. back in his uh, Stern Show appearance heyday. And uh, he would always, every time I'd show up uh, from my flight and I'd come into the hotel, uh, he'd always be in the lobby. And, and every time he'd see me, he'd go, Shuri baby. He goes, you bring medicine? Yeah. And I'd always go, yeah, Sheik, I did. And he goes, excellent. <laughs> Twist his mustache. Just before, um, Sheiky, and for anyone who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, the Iron Sheik, formerly of WWF fame, um, he's now retired. He's an old man. <laughs> and he's much mellower these days. Um, but uh chic just before he started making those appearances on the howard stern show where he was working that gimmick yeah he had uh an independent wrestling booking in oshawa ontario canada oh the tape is up <laughs> i was at this show as the play-by-play -play man and chic was announced to be at this show i think he was supposed to be in a battle royal or something and he's sitting at the hotel which is walking distance from the venue and he's telling the promoters it's intermission of the show. He's supposed to be out there signing autographs, selling gimmicks, whatever. He's at the hotel. No, you don't bring Shiki the, the medicine. Shiki don't go to work. <laughs> and he's losing his mind. And finally, someone just cracks and says, like, none of us know where to get the fucking gear that he wants. Like nobody knows where to buy what Sheik wants. Right. So like, and this was, part like not me but as who booked we didn't know this is what he needed at work you know that he was looking for narcotics so they finally just tell him cheeky we have the medicine it's at the venue okay baba let's go so he goes to the venue they tell him he's got to go in the ring he's got to do his thing okay he goes in the ring he cuts a 10 minute promo about how the promoter is a little fucking jew and he's gonna fuck him in his little ass with his 10 inch cock humble him humble him because humble he doesn't him. give him medicine <laughs> like there's no degree of of like <laughs> there's no degree of of dis of discreetness <laughs> he's just he's putting his shit out there for the world but here's the thing here's the here's the opposite of that because i've spent time with shiki on the road like everybody yeah, yeah, else yeah. has in this conversation and i've also like stayed in the same hotel as shiki and when you get shiki first thing in the morning when it's time to get up to move on to the second city I know it's, com say. it's completely different shiki than you get before <laughs> Or you all left his room usually where the party was afterwards right his room yeah. like unbelievable this man who's who's your favorite who's your favorite wrestler because i know you're a wrestling fan yeah who, who's uh, i mean it's it's for me like the most favorite mainstream guy would be flair i would have to say he's my favorite uh i i first watched uh uh wcw before i watched uh wwf back then you know the nwa the tbs you know show that's that's the yeah. first wrestling i was yeah. exposed to uh, now you know going back and i always go back and watch like 85 through 87 yeah. you know the tbs uh, those were just the best years and uh, my biggest thing is like, uh, right? You know, Arn Anderson is so. I mean, I know everybody talks about 
but that dude really doesn't get the credit that he deserves right. as far as like the psychology in the ring with, with with the with the facial reactions with the you know he was just such a great all those guys what made the horsemen great is they were all such chicken shit heels that would talk the most shit and then have no problem getting on their knees and begging you to not hit them, you know, like the biggest pussy move, right? And it and it was just great, like Arn, uh, Cornette with the Midnight Express, you know, that that whole format of just let's squash these fucking amateurs, let's go cut a promo, let's bring on the next guy. I love it. I love you know it. what it you know what it was about about Arn and the rest of them for me, like everybody in the group. Right. Everybody in the group was like, you know, like you had Flair, who was all jacked up at the time and everything. But no matter what, like Arn, for me at the time, because we're roughly about the same age, mm -hmm. right? I'm 53 years old now. And Arn, for me, um, was like my grandpa about to kick my ass, even at like, you know, 35 years old or however old he was at the time. You know what I mean? Like he always gave me like PE teacher vibes. He always used to wear the <laughs> PE teacher shorts and like those PE teacher sunglasses, like the blue blockers, you know, right. So he always reminded me of that, but that, that, uh, them and, and the road warriors were yeah. like, I lost my shit when I, the war games was probably like my first, uh, real, like, <clears throat> uh purchase you know i remember asking my mom to buy me the vhs of uh of the first war games when it was uh the horsemen against dusty and the road warriors and nikita and it was i just remember back then every punch the crowd was with him like yeah. every every you just hear oh oh like people were so into it it was great that energy you know it's it's uh can't be duplicated so Awesome. It was because I grew up. I grew up watching like AWA stuff. Went yeah, yeah. To the NWA, those Saturday afternoon, spending those Saturday afternoons watching that TBS stuff for what yeah. for what seemed like seven hours out yeah. of the day for you. That small little studio stuff. You know what I mean? And for me, it was like for for the bad guys, it was Nikita Koloff yeah. all day long. You well, know, I, rest, I, I think greatest Nikita. I, I, I care. Think, I think even at home. I uh, well, I you're just breaking up there a little bit, Donnie. But yeah, I was going to say, Donnie, why don't you rejoin us real quick? Yeah. We'll have a conversation without you. I mean, it's Go probably on, better. I don't think you can call yourself a wrestling fan if you don't know who the Mulkey brothers are. You know? Right. You know what I mean? Like those guys were essential. To yeah. making guys like Midnight Express and right. and Tully and Arn look fantastic and uh, yeah. Now, I, now I, obviously later on, you know, with Shiki at the time, he was after his you know WWE run and everything like that. So you had it was more of the independent stuff. And I know for a fact, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say hello on his behalf. Yeah, uh, that you are good friends. Uh, um, he thinks very highly of you. I asked him. Uh, you know, um, our friend Blue Meanie, uh, said, you know, wow. says hello. Um, love that's, him that's... to death dearly. Uh, uh, another another Eagles fan like myself that is still like I sent him sent him a message the other day, just checking in, making sure he's okay because it's been a tough time. <laughs> Shirley. I don't know if you fucking know this or not from your time up north. You know what I mean? Us Philadelphia fans, we take this shit very fucking seriously. You know what I'm saying? You guys take everything seriously. I, <laughs> yeah. I, 
I remember I I remember I did a show once at the uh, Electric Factory in Philly. It's known for death metal, you know. It's not known for comedy shows. And it's it's a bunch of us from the Stern Show and 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 just friends of the Stern Show and stuff. And every person that goes up there just fucking booing. It's like that's all they paid money to do. <laughs> fucking scream at us and boo at us and. You know, it's just some of Philly's finest, you know, and they're just so angry and they're giving you no chance at all. And I, I come out on stage and it's just like, you know, just just anger from every angle being thrown at me. And and wouldn't you know it? One voice, one mm-hmm. voice cuts through it all. A woman's voice going. I hear her go, you fucking suck. I hope you fucking die like that. And I'm going. And I look, and sure enough, there she is, a woman uh, in a wheelchair in the second row, um, which, you know, already should tell you about Philly because they're, yeah. not, you know, I don't give a fuck that you're in a wheelchair. I was here first, you know, yeah. go to go to the second row and put your brake on. Go, go fucking cry me a river. They and, said their best. Yeah. And she's screaming that she hopes I fucking die and she hates me. And, and I'm like, I've never done anything to this woman. So I, you know, I, I go down to eye level with her. I get down on my knees and I go, uh, now, now I know why your spine's broken <laughs> and, and the place just like the air lets out. And I go, cause you're a cunt. And 99% of the room goes, all right, now we got something. Now this guy's got something to say. And that is how you win Philly's respect is you just yes. go back as hard as they come at you 100% it is a city that like is is will listen i i remember i made the mistake i took my uh my my wife down to atlantic city decided to surprise her with a visit you know on on valentine's day spur of the moment we're in toronto i drive down boom and i was like you know what we're going to stop through philly go into chinatown grab something to eat i'm going to show you around philly a little bit it's fantastic right we're running out of time I get ready to leave and we have to jump onto the highway and you're familiar with like it's got that double little stop you know that first stoplight and then the second stoplight before you can get onto the highway there and i stop no problem and i'm waiting there and i go to hit the second one and it's still red and this like beat up tan like le mans you know what i mean with like rusted out back fender like zips right in front of me and stops at the light and i'm looking and i'm just kind of i kind of shake my head i'm like you're clearly in a bigger fucking hurry than i am right and all i see is like he's got you see the 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 baby seat in the back the baby mama in the passenger seat and the him looking in the mirror and his hand just reaches down like very performatively reaches down and just pulls up a bat and shakes it between like, like in this threatening, like, you know, Philadelphia way. I start to laugh and I was like, see, honey, I told you, this is what this city's about. Now you've paid for the full tour. We can get on the highway and continue our trip to Atlantic City, which wasn't much fucking better. Let me tell you. Atlantic City, you're uh you're it's really a a coin toss of where you're gonna get murdered. Uh really or Atlantic City at this point. I got locked into a convenience store late at night because somebody tried to rob it and the people running the convenience store was like, nah, not tonight, son. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild. You know, I, I remember going to a um uh Western Union to go mail out money for Artie years right. ago. And and Sal came with me. And this was after Sal fell off the stage in Florida and broke his wrist and we just 
we walk in like two wounded gazelle in the Serengeti and, and, and I got a pocket full of cash and, and we walk in and a family's threatening to beat the shit out of a woman uh, who works there behind the bulletproof glass. And they're going, you know, what time you get off, bitch? And, and I'll never forget the woman behind the bulletproof glass goes, I get off at 1015, motherfuckers. She's like, <laughs> I'll see you. Out. And I'm just going, am I on another planet? I go, what is going on here? I, I, yeah. we're, we're dead. If, the yeah. longer we stay here, we're dead. But is it, is it, is it weird and different when like you do the stern thing? It's like the whack pack thing. And this yeah. is all like radio bravado and for the show and blah, blah, blah. But then you go out there, you go out there and you realize, holy fuck, there's a lot more than just this confined group of people that we would have in the studio mm. for this bit. You mm. know what I mean? There's real, like, this is this is most of America. Well, and not only that, you also don't realize, you know, being a fan of Howard for so many years, you know, he, he spoke honestly about his life all the, you know, for so long. And you, you hear that and you're like, oh, okay, uh, I can do that. But once you... Once you honestly start talking about your life on radio, especially something that has tons, you know, millions of of listeners, uh, you forget. And and that was a big eye opener for me is how how hard that must be for him to have done that uh, so regularly back then talking about his in-laws and all this other shit. And like, you know, I still have people coming up to me today that will ask me questions where I'm like, how the fuck do they know that? And I'm like, oh yeah, that was on the show a long time ago. You know, they remember it. It's it's like his show was really the first reality show ever, if you really think about it. Like he made these people interesting and famous and celebrities and and would fight with management and his boss and the government and like and everybody had a front row seat to that. It was it was wild. So he that lived, he lived out this dream. Yeah. For everybody else early in the mornings and whenever he was on late night, you know what I mean? Like he, 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 he made it possible for everybody to be like, yeah, that guy's doing it for me. But then for, for him on the flip side, it's gotta be like, this is just my job. I'm just well, doing this day after day after day after day. Right. Well, he kind of incorporated that into, you know, the people he brought on to work, you know, once Jackie left, he, you know, he could have, he could have spent, whatever money he wanted to, to hire the best people for whatever position he was looking for, whether it's a writer or a, a, a sidekick, you know, a comic or whatever. But instead he, he was smart enough to know that if you have somebody that's a fan of the show and a fan of what you do, uh, that's not a job to them. That's something they can't wait to get to in the morning and they can't wait to do and be a part of. And so that, that for me, it's like it's a pretty genius business model as far as bringing in, you know, employees and people to work for you or people. When I first got to New York, I was doing 14 hour days. I was I was paying for a hotel room next door to Sirius so I could get up early and go back to work and stay as late as I could at Sirius and do like Scott Farrell's show and and Jay Thomas in the afternoon. And, you know, I was a sponge, man. I wanted I wanted to do broadcasting. So. Anybody that fucked up by letting me in the door, I was going to take advantage of it, you know, and I was going to try and learn as much as possible because I was some comic from Vegas, you know, un, uh, no, un, on no comedy map whatsoever. At any point, they could have pulled the rug out and I'd have been like, yeah, I get it. But my 
my fandom of the show and and how you know psychotic i was about being a fan of the show helped me stay there helped me figure out a position you know now i know donnie wants to jump in because i've been hogging this entire conversation <laughs> this in, in, entire time but you mentioned it and you said a comic from vegas yeah born no god forbid i, I just, just hung out no, I was I was born in Israel, which is yeah. uh, home to maybe Vegas's best. It, I was going to say it's it's just as similar when you say I was born in Vegas. Both are a gamble. Am I right, boys? No, I was born there and then moved to the States when I was like three, four years old, lived okay. in, in L.A. for a while, uh, had a stint in Arizona after school on my own and then went to Vegas. My folks were in Vegas. I went to go live with them and, and start trying to learn comedy and how to do it. And, and one thing I knew for sure, I wasn't going to make money at it for a while. So that's why I went to Vegas and, and moved back in with the folks. And what years? Say, oh man, it was, uh, I think 97, 98, somewhere around there. I left, I left in 88. Yeah, yeah. No, Stanhope uh was there. He had just yeah. left. Sam Tripoli was there. He had yeah. just left. Um, and you know, it it's a it's an interesting town. Uh, it's not great for comedy. I know that because there's just way too many options, and right. and that's the thing. You know, if you can, if you can go. It's hard, see, to, it's hard to keep anybody's focus on anything. Yeah, anymore. yeah. You can go see Celine Dion or an open mic. Uh, I'd, I'd rather go see a fucking open mic. In I it. would too, but you'd be surprised how many few people don't want to see that open mic. So, and plus, nobody has material to compete with gambling addiction. So that is really your biggest enemy. That's why half the shows are are comped and papered, you know, because people yep. would just much rather play. They don't. I, really I try to. I try to explain to people all the time, like you know, it's it's the casino itself is the city on a bigger the, on a smaller scale the yeah. casino has to have somebody win but not everybody win just like the city has to have some people just enough to win but not everybody win so that they can s sustain what they're doing there you know what i mean it's yeah i lived the, i lived both sides of it i i i was a player for many years and then i worked as a dealer for uh, a few years and so i got to see both sides of the where was your favorite house to play yeah well once i started playing poker that that's when i enjoyed gambling but to be honest with you you know i had no favorite house i <laughs> i played because that was the thing to do and it was like we got our tips from the night before and i just got off a shift crushing people's dreams and hopes for eight hours uh you know so i'm like why can't i do it on the other side because you can't dip shit. that's why there's <laughs> a million fucking casinos you idiot yeah. But, you know, a couple of Jaeger shots at 11 a.m., who gives a shit, right? You're sitting there at a blackjack table. You got your $90 you made from the night before making people cry. And, and it's just one big fucking circle, man. And uh, I hated it. I hated every yeah. second. I hated hated that people wouldn't leave when they were losing. Yeah. Like I, I, I just wanted to be like, what are you doing? I just pulled I just pulled a seven-card 21 out on you. You understand? Uh. That's like that should be criminal. That's uh <laughs> it is the worst it is the worst fucking feeling. Yeah. Is it not? You're like, are you kidding me? You're fucking kidding me right now. 
Oh, they, I'd have players just exactly what you said. Look at me. Are you fucking looking me in the eyes? Motherfucker. Are yeah. you fucking kidding? And then they put another $300 back up. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to change. Like, it's not me doing this on purpose. If you think I'm controlling this, that's right. Uh, you're on your fucking mind. That's right. The yeah. existence of my job is to take this one fucking finger and slide that card out of the boot that controls yeah. everything. Understand that I have some magical fucking powers going on. Here. Right. Nobody, nobody in the eye in the sky is watching you lose. They just right. are watching people win. That's where they focus on. And when the pit boss comes over and tells you to change the shuffle, then then that's that's cooling yeah. off the player you know it's little tricks and shit like that oh, yeah. now they got the machines they don't have to shuffle anything but you know i my, was my uh, grandpa was a pit boss for yeah. years at the riviera yeah and he started he started at the nugget started at the golden nugget and then moved from downtown to the strip so yeah there was oh there was great stories I asked, I, my pit, I asked my pit boss once i go how'd you end up in vegas he goes one double down away one double down away from <laughs> That's how most people end up there, though. I know. I don't think he was kidding. I don't, you know. And it looks like Donnie has finally joined us back here. Everything has worked out okay. Like the bowel movements are all right. I don't know what happened with your, I don't know, man, system there, but it's good to have you back. Happens to a lot of guys, Donnie. Don't worry. I swear this has never happened to me before. I swear. <laughs> oh, good. I was going to say, Shuli, um, I've always felt a, a, a bit of a kinship with you because like you, um, I started my early days in broadcasting by being a listener who called into a show, you know, a national show here in Canada um, that was hosted by a guy who's now known as Canada's favorite son, George Strombolopoulos. Um, and, uh, you know, I ended up becoming a part of that show. And then that show led to my job at the internet radio station, which led to Tid and I hosting one of the very first podcasts ever, which led to this. And here we are with you. So, you know what? It's like, I, I did the dollar store version of the Shuli route. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's a blueprint, but it's really such a crapshoot. And it's, such <laughs> it a, is. you know, I mean, for, for Howard to give me an opportunity, you know, that's, that's the Yankees of radio, and and oh he brought in a guy who couldn't even hold the bat, much less swing it. So it was it was uh, it was amazing. It was great. So listen, but now you can... have you have your own network going on. Yeah. That's so I was going to say, about, tell us a little bit about that. Well, before we get into that, let me just say I was I was going right. to say that uh, you know we could that. we could talk we could talk pro wrestling. We could talk about Howard all night long, um, but you're actually here with news. Right. You're actually I here am. because I you've am. got a bit of an announcement to make. So I kind of want to throw that over to you. That's right. This is uh breaking news. <laughs> God. Yeah. Whoa. It's the morning zoo. Breaking news. God, is that <laughs> you? All right, it's enough of this shit. Uh, yes, we are very excited to uh, be welcoming the godfather of podcasting. Uh, you guys, long overdue. You've been doing it for so long, and you do it so well. We want to uh, introduce the audience over at the Shuli Network to uh, what quality programming really is, because it certainly isn't anything we're doing. Uh, but uh, we're excited to have you guys come over. You're going to be doing live shows over there on the Shuli Network YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash the Shuli Network. 
we got a bunch of shows, but we're really excited because uh, Thursday night it's going to be the Godfathers of Podcasting on the Shuley Network, and we're pumped about it. So welcome, gentlemen. Listen, thank you so much. We are stoked. Uh, so Thursday, February 23rd, will be our first night on the Shuley Network yes. at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Um, and I, don't, I gotta give... don't thank me. You got to thank the Reverend Bob Levy. I was, I was he, just going to say... The Reverend Bob spoke so highly of you two and what professionals you guys were. And I mean, if Bob says you're professional, then I have to double check. uh, You give a a guy one reach around and look how it pays off. You must really be a big fan of Bob. Otherwise he doesn't like you much. So uh, (laughs) I like that. You know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all about what Bob likes. Bob is uh, the workhorse on this network. Uh, He's uh a guy that I've I've enjoyed working with on and off for twenty plus years, uh, twelve of them being off, <laughs> just because uh, Bob had a little problem with the pills. But that's fine. We're all good now. Everybody's good. One love, and uh, the Shuley Network is has been taking off in leaps and bounds. Uh, it started with one show, uh, the Uncle Rico show, where uh, Long story short, uh, this guy, Stuttering John, used to talk shit and and fuck with me. And for years, I always took the high road. And then one day, I decided to fight back and uh, uh, jumped on a format that um, was was uh, shown to me through a, a show called Who Are These Podcasts? A guy by the name of Carl who does this show where they review shitty podcasts every week. And they had a... Uh, regular segment devoted to stuttering john because his podcast was so shitty and so i went on there and goofed on him and i was like this is a lot of fun and this is personal now so i got together with bob levy and mike morse and the three of us started the uncle rico show and people loved it and now we're building off of that we got uh, the miserable men the bs show we got ray devito coming over kevin dombrowski you guys uh, just a, a bar. My goal is to make that YouTube channel radio station any day, any time somebody can go on, either watch something live or check something out. You know, we got a great sports show on there, the Sports Heads, which uh, uh, our, our lead anchor, Andrew, is a kid with cerebral palsy who is a huge, huge fan of vagina. So that is a fun show, um, and uh, it's like no sports show you'll ever hear anywhere else. So, like, like a fan of vagina, like um... he's a horn dog. He all he oh, wants okay. to get laid. He's he's okay. a guy. He's a guy. You know, I mean, I mean? who doesn't? Right. I mean, all of us here can probably attest to that. But I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to make like sculptures of it and like mm-hmm. you know like air fresheners or anything like that but i i am a fan of everything outside of that i would say so yeah kudos maybe to that's him. the first and he has and he has palsy dude that's like uh, that's like a step up really in that world though isn't it well you know what i wanted to do is him and a couple other cp guys that are huge wrestling fans i want to start a podcast uh called cpw where <laughs> just cerebral palsy wrestling fan and I got the logo. It's a wheelchair wrapped in barbed wire uh, okay. on fire, I think would be awesome. He, Andrew's in, by the way. For those of you offended, the guy with cerebral palsy loves the idea and is in, okay? 
Why does everything have to have fire on top of it? <laughs> fire. Right. That's the most rock and roll fucking thing ever, right? What? We could do this. It could be a fucking gigantic gong behind us. Yeah, but you know what would make it better? Put that fucking thing on fire. Bro, you can put glitter on it. I just want to see it in a WWE <laughs> pay-per-view. I want to see it in the audience, somebody wearing a barbed wire wheelchair shirt. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get stuttering John on this show. Yeah, get. Hey, if you got, if you, if you're willing to pay cash, I hear he's, uh, he's, he's only gonna go on shows if he's paid. The last guy that tried to get us to pay cash to do this show was Playboy Buddy Fucking Rose. <laughs> I'm not even about, playing. That wasn't this show. That, that was another show. That was how many fucking years ago. Yeah. And then I later fucking like befriended him through another friend of mine, uh, Diamond or Street Fighter, Timothy Flowers. Uh-huh. And uh, it was like, oh, he's one of your boys, Tim. It was like, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll do hey, this. But he clearly tried to extort us for money out the gate when we I, first started doing uh, this, the first show. Right, right. Well, I just remembered a, a fun story. My Vegas days. I was. I remember one night, me and a buddy. We uh, we just got done dealing blackjack, or maybe it was a night off. And we went over to Cheetahs, the gentleman's club, and uh, we're hanging out. And I go to use the bathroom. Oh, I've heard this story. This is a great story. Yeah, I've heard this and, story. And and I look over, and peeing next to me is Marty Janetti, <laughs> and I go. Uh, I go, holy shit, Marty Jannetty. I go, I, I, I used to watch you as a kid. And he, and he looks over at me and he goes, don't tell any of these whores that. I don't want them knowing how old I am. And uh, I said, yeah, you got it, buddy. Sounds good. And they brought me over and introduced me. Uh, uh, Undertaker was there and Yokozuna. They'd just done a thing at Thomas and Mack Center. So they were just there letting the gold dust. Uh, it was great. I remember, I remember years ago on a Saturday morning, we were getting ready to go drive to the next gig, a Killers of Comedy thing, and we were all at a diner uh, getting breakfast and Sheik's there and Beetlejuice, and we're all sitting. And it, it, we all turned into like 12-year-old kids, you know? We all start asking Sheik wrestling questions, you know? And and uh, somebody goes, um, they go, Sheik, who was the biggest pecker checker in the locker room? And yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't even think. He doesn't miss a beat. He goes, Pat Patterson, like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, uh, I go, this is before Pat came out, right? I, this before he came out, probably. And I go, oh really, Pat Patterson? He goes, number one. He goes <laughs> like that, number one picker checker. <laughs> <laughs> he had this nerdy. Remember his nerdy manager that he used to beat the shit out of that yeah. guy. He was uh we brought him on the road with us to kind of keep an eye on Sheik because we had so many fucking weird shit on this tour. And uh and I remember coming into the hotel one night and I just I hear Sheik screaming from around the corner and I hear this smack, and then <laughs> coming around the corner is his manager, Eric, and he and he just goes, I'm leaving. He goes, I'm done. Oh. Like is and I go, We hired you to keep it, you're not going anywhere. He's like and then of course I'd have to go smoke Sheik out and he'd be he'd be fine. But that he'd always so like, funny. He goes, This um, man is not the Sheiky's always good when he's got his medicine, brother. Yeah, man. It's all good. You know, <laughs> earlier on when I was still uh buffering and I couldn't get a sentence out because my internet connection, um, you were talking, Shuli, you mentioned the Road Warriors. That same night I met Marty Janetti, Road Warrior Hawk was on that show. 
And so I got invited to go out for drinks with everybody afterwards. And I was literally going to have a beer and go back home. Yeah. And Hawk comes over to me and he puts his big fucking meat hook around my neck. And he goes, you're Canadian. That's what Marty said. I said, yeah. He's like, Canadian club, let's go. And he starts getting shots. Oh, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm okay. He's like, I didn't ask. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. So yeah. I lost track of how many shots I had. Thank God my cousin was with me that night, got me home safe. I was so scared to say no to Hawk. <laughs> that, yeah. No, I'm All not right. going to drink with you, Road Warrior Hawk. See, I was the same way a few weeks ago, and Donnie keeps going on about it, Shirley. I was the same way oh. with a bartender in uh, <sighs> Buffalo, and yeah. I just, you know, the, and I decided to drink all of the tequila she kept pouring in front of me. This asshole when he's drunk entire... is an asshole. No, I am hilarious. He's uh, there's asshole. video proof to, of this, and uh, some of it even includes crossing the border. Oh, my so... God. <laughs> Telling the border guards, Hurry the fuck up, cocksuckers! I don't have all well, day. I didn't have all day. Um, I needed hey, to get to a dispensary. Right, that's what right? I. Hear. Yeah. And then, but I was very nice. I tried to negotiate. I tried to negotiate that because I have both an American passport uh, and a uh, Canadian uh, permanent resident card. I said, "Does this mean that I can bring extra stuff over with me?" <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it was good times had by all. What, what am I? I say? One of my comic buddies used to do a joke about. Uh, he goes, uh, "We were driving into Canada. We stopped at the border, and the and the agent says, you have anything to declare?'" And he says, "Yeah, one of us has drugs up our ass, and I'm not telling you which one." <laughs> he said. He said, two hours later, Shuli didn't want to leave Canada." I go, "Why the fuck am I in the goddamn joke, asshole?" Oh man, any random guy? We uh, we crossed over one time for like four hours. And yeah, came back with I think a combined total. Like we pulled up, and they were like, uh, "Why did you cross?" And we we're like, "Oreos," because <laughs> they have a much better selection of Oreos. He goes, "Anything else?" I go, "I've got a box of beer." Uh, he's got a box of beer, and he's like, uh, "How long are you guys over?" I go, uh, "Right now, officially, boom, four hours." And they're like, "By the," he's like, "My buddy's like, by the way, how much can we?" bring back and he goes for the amount of time you're over there nothing he goes right. uh how how much like did you bring back what i go it's just some pbr and he's like consider this a lesson have a good day so i mean the lesson was 84 beers at the end of the day okay. after four hours and yeah. it's a good lesson because i will never ever fucking try to take that chance again in my life Okay. I just make sure I'll make sure somebody else is driving the car. Now, every single time I know that there's alcohol involved and me crossing the border. I'm smart. Yeah. Like that. yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Donnie have, Hey, how you doing, buddy? I don't know, man. It's uh, it's the night from hell with the, uh, the internet in this area. So let's wrap this up. Shuli, thank you strong. so much for joining us. No and, problem. Uh, We're excited. I'm excited. We Please. are fired I up. I feel dude. like I feel like this is like a one of those like dinner for schmucks things. And we've <laughs> we've been invited by Bob Levy on this one. Like we're his schmuck. You know what I mean? Uh, but I'm excited. We're gonna have some fun and uh we're gonna have some laughs. Yeah, be prepared to be invited to uh miserable men show. We Absolutely. we want to get you guys on this week, introduce you to the crowd a little bit before you guys uh show up. So uh but thank you for having me. I'm sorry for the tech difficulties. Uh but you know you're coming to the right place. These things don't happen on our end. So you know worry. it's uh it's it's going to be a beautiful thing, and we're going to have a fantastic time, uh, regardless Thank of you. what Donnie's internet seems to 
believe on this one. That's fine. He hates Jews. I get it. I get it a lot. I know. I know that <laughs> buffering. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, it's Portuguese though. <laughs> Ted, it's a pleasure meeting you, my friend. And you as well, well pal. Soon, I, I get the feeling. All right. Give my best to everybody. One thousand percent, ladies and gentlemen, Julie Egar. We will see you very soon on the, the Shuli Network. Network. YouTube.com slash the Shuli Network. Go fuck yourself. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> wow. That is unbelievable. And I am going to do a uh, very weird, very solo close on this. It seems like I could stutter on for a little bit. You can call me stuttering Chris, stuttering Tid. Uh, I don't know. Um, but I want to say thank you very much. Uh, those of you as well may know that on the SNME network, uh, where we can be heard the audio version as you are listening right now on Podbean, uh, hopefully. Um, I also have another show on there. I want to say thank you to everybody that listened last week to the pre-punch podcast where I get a chance to talk MMA with my partner in crime, uh, Brady Wedham on this one uh it was a fun time all of those that tuned in to listen over the week thank you so much we will be doing these more often so i appreciate everybody that tunes into the pp pod uh as i like to call it now from now on it's very good to uh me and brady the way ins brothers if you will no i don't even know what that means but anyways thank you very much i would like to wish you all a farewell a good evening and um, hopefully we'll get this thing up, edited, and to you all. We're excited. I know Donnie's not even here, but we are very, very, very excited about being able to go to the Truly Network, get all of this over to all y'all. Uh, let's have some fun. Let's interact. Let's have some chats. Let's talk. You talk. We talk. We all talk. We all have a great time. And uh, we will see all of you there. Thank you very much to Dr. Squatch uh, this week as well. Your soap uh, is still, it's baffling how good it really is. For those of you who go there, we have all of the information up as well. Um, DrSquatch.com. You can go see us on our Instagram, which is Godfathers of Podcasting. You can catch us on all of our socials, which is Godfathers of Podcasting. And you can still go to the website, GodfathersofPodcasting.com. Remember, we have been podcasting since before podcasting was ever even called podcasting. I am doing this solo as notorious TID Chris Tidwell uh, on behalf of my co-host, as it were, <laughs> Big Daddy Donnie De Silva. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That is this one in the can. Peace. Have a good night. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Alright then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out.